use your smartphone or computer to access bank accounts or pay bills, you already have some understanding of how technology and artificial intelligence have changed the financial industry. My guest today is Ryan Christiansen, Executive Director of the Stennis Center for Financial Technology. We're going to talk about the Use New Initiative to Accelerate Financial Innovation. Welcome to you, Rising, Ryan. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Ryan, let's start with the word fintech. Break that down for me because we're going to use it a lot in this conversation today. So, if we're talking about fintech, it's really about all those things that are financial services. So, financial and technology, this, That's those right. words come together. Yeah. Okay. So, it's these financial services that aren't a bank, but banks are really a critical and important piece of fintech. Yeah. And I know as we've talked in the past, you know, I, I use my phone, I go and I move some money from in my, my checking account to my savings account, and it seems seamless. But behind the scenes, there's a lot going on and, and really decades on. of, of yeah, work, Yeah, right? a lot going on. You know, you can think about cybersecurity. You can think about database management. There's so many things going on. It might be helpful to talk a little bit about use cases. When you think about fintech, what are those use cases? And it could be accounting. Uh, you think about Intuit's QuickBooks or TurboTax. It could be payments. Uh, I think we're all pretty familiar with the Venmos and the Cash Apps and Zelle. There's also a lot of money management, budgeting apps, things like that. Uh, there's you know, Rocket Money, YNAB, places that uh, really help people budget their money or, or have insights into their money. And then there's lending, which is a really fast-growing space of fintech. Uh, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes companies like Loan Pro and, and SoFi and others, but there's also those that are a little bit more household names, and SoFi tends to be one of those as well. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, they, are now, they now have a bank charter as well, so we're getting the lines blurred a little bit between non-bank and fintech. But there's others such as, as Brex uh, and companies like the neobanks, Dave and Chime, some banks that are not really a bank, they are a brand that offers some products, but they use a bank in the background. Uh, gotcha. So, does fintech refer to um, purchasing as well? So, when I when I using Amazon and I buy something, is that is that part of fintech, or is that considered something? Yeah. Similar? So you look at like the Apple Wallet, for example, and that wallet is driven by a lot of fintech tools. Um, and they're again going back to these banks. They partner with a lot of traditional financial services as well, so you can link your accounts or your credit cards to these wallets. But in order to have that linking work, then you need to have those fintech applications behind it. Gotcha. Okay, so we got the definitions now. Yeah. Um, now we're going to talk about the University of Utah's connection. But let's start with your connection. So um, you were a, a pretty senior person at MasterCard. Uh, you were at Zions Bank, I believe, as well. What made you leave the private sector and, and come to the University of Utah? Well, I'd have to say, first of all, President Randall's a very difficult person to say no to. That's that's how I would start that. But you are correct. I had a I had a great role at MasterCard. Uh, really enjoyed what I was doing there at open in open banking. But it's important to note that uh, MasterCard purchased a company that I was at called Finicity, and I worked at Finicity for several years. Uh, when I was at Finicity, we when I started, we were a startup, just a handful of us. And we were a you know small company working on really exciting new technology that grew over a number of years, but uh, th- that's how we started. Prior to that, I was working, like you mentioned, at Zions Bank and some other large financial institutions. And so I knew about banking, and probably most importantly, I knew how to talk bank talk. 
That was pretty important in the early years of Finicity because we were working on partnerships with really large companies such as Rocket Mortgage, Chase Bank, Experian, and others. So having that banking background was pretty important. So over seven or eight years at Finicity, we were able to develop some products and form partnerships that resulted in developing entirely new ways of underwriting loans like we talked about, creating credit files, making payments, as well as developing standards for an entire industry. Uh, we grew to over 800 people and had a very successful exit to MasterCard. And then with MasterCard, we were able to begin operating all these new technologies and innovations at scale with a global scope, which was really exciting. So I was running global open, open banking partnerships at MasterCard, which was super cool. So if we go back to President Randall's office right. for a minute, it was pretty clear to me that, that he had begun to put together the pieces for a fintech center that would have the same impact that I just described at Finicity. Uh, the faculty here at the U that's involved in fin fintech, they're really unmatched in their passion and talent. And let me break that down because that's both the business school and the, uh, the yeah. Price School of Engineering as well, right? That's Those are the two primary colleges. And, and the School of Law and the as school well. Of law, okay. yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got this wonderful um, faculty. You've got Troy at the Lausanne Center that's built this world-class entrepreneur uh, center who's really mentored the center. And then you've got our donor, the Stenick Group, that's led by Steve Smith, who's a real visionary, and he only knows one speed, and it's not it's not the low gear. And he was also with Xfinity. Is that how you that's get right. to That's right. Yeah, okay. yeah. And, um, and so as President Randall kind of shared that vision and the, and the people behind it, I was hooked. And it was a chance to, again, be part of a startup uh, with a really well-established university that has a proven talent for developing world, world-class programs. Yeah, so the Stena Center for Financial Technology, what are, we, what are we trying to achieve there? Well, our mission is to bring together education and industry to really accelerate the financial and technological innovation that supports students, research, and industry to expand and strengthen the fintech ecosystem. And I think it's important to note here, we're new. Uh, I mentioned I was part of a startup. And, and so we we started this center January of last year. So it's, it's just one year in, into it. And we launched it with a thesis, like you mentioned, that fintech is a multifaceted industry with its major nexus points being the disciplines of finance, computer science, and, and regulation. And with that mission and thesis, uh, we really set out to to form some some important partnerships. So knowing some of this is aspirational still, um, at the practical level, like programs, activities, what, if I'm a student and I want to be part of this, am I majoring in fintech or am I majoring in business? I mean, how, how do I connect as a student? Probably the easiest way to describe this is that we have four program areas. And the programming falls into... These, these four areas of academics, industry partnerships and labs, venture capital, and our annual conferences, which is where we try to bring it all together. Um, so within the academic program, we're supporting the, the faculty and the students in a variety of ways. We've provided funding for research, um, funding for academic chairs, and for labs. So we're also providing our industry expertise as an input into the development of classes and degree programs, which includes a master's program that's currently in development. And we provide scholarship funds for students. And the center also provides access to industry platforms, which is really critical. And along with the, those uh, access to the platforms, we get access to the industry professionals that run those platforms. 
Uh, so, for example, we're running a capstone project that students can participate in, working directly on a, a platform they may be working on in their first job, right? So they're getting that practical application. So a lot of lot of opportunities for students and faculty there. And then within the partnerships and labs area, quite frankly, this, this is what we see as the jet fuel for the students and the faculty. That's where we work directly with these industry partners to bring in real-world questions or problems into the academic setting. That includes, like I mentioned, this research and practical applications of our educational uh, programs to support product innovation and development. And so it might be easy if I gave you a couple of examples there. Within these partnerships, I'm going I'm to highlight one. We've got Loan Pro that, like I mentioned, is providing us access to their, their platform. So when I say platform, this is the system that all of Loan Pro's customers touch when they are a customer of Loan Pro. That platform is made available to students along with some problem statements that Loan Pro has brought in. And the, our students can now work directly on that platform to fulfill some capstone obligations they have for their degree and then also work directly with the Loan Pro professionals so they can get that, that back and forth to help accelerate their, their learning. And it might even be a place they decide to go to work right out, you know, right out yeah, of school, right? right? So uh, Loan Pro is getting a chance to see some of the students at work, and the students are getting a chance to see this application at work. So, which is these really are exciting. primarily business students in that scenario, would you say? Or you no, know, uh, the particular capstone project that I'm mentioning with Loan Pro, that's in the School of Engineering. In engineering, okay. Mm-hmm. So on yep. the, on the yeah. technology side, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, one of the, one of the things I think the the Stender Center really articulates is I think this growing trend, especially with with President Randall, is the university is this these the centers as a linkage between the private sector and the university. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe talk about that because that is really because at universities we're we're deep thinkers and it's these big ideas and the, the private sector is so good at operationalizing things and it feels yeah. like your center in particular is just kind of merging these two worlds a little bit. Yeah, and that's where you know this industry labs and partnerships piece is is really so critical that that practical application of what's being uh, taught mm-hmm. and learned here at the university. So maybe let me focus on research for just a Please. moment there. Um, so within research, there's a tremendous amount of fantastic academic research that happens here at the university. And there's also the opportunity to do a lot of industry research. So as an example, we have a company that came to us that has a nationwide platform for gathering deposits for small local banks. And there's some question because of a regulation that's been on the books for a very long time, long before fintech, about how to treat these deposits. Uh, are they core deposits? Are they broker deposits? So it has a real impact on the balance sheet and the earnings of these banks. It also provides a way for these banks to continue to compete in a market that's now open to everyone. You can live anywhere and bank with any bank, right? And so how do these local banks not rely so heavily on, say, their branch network, but rely on their products and services that can reach a a broad audience? So we're doing research on whether these deposits should be classified as core brokered. And it has a real impact on these companies' earnings and balance sheets far, far into the future. So to your point that partnering with uh, 
the industry is is a pretty big deal. And I did want to mention there's a, a couple other programming areas, and we may want to get to this a little bit later, but we've got our venture capital group, and this is really providing direct investment into the into these early stage fintech companies. But another one that I'm really excited about uh, coming up in the first of this February is our, our annual conference. And like I said, that's where we try to bring all these programming areas together. And uh, it's where we assemble the the very best in the fintech industry, the leadership of the fintech industry, but also the very best in academics and regulatory space as well. We kind of convene this group of people and we we discuss, learn, and network with each other. And in that conference, we focus on really the major economic, technological, and regulatory drivers that are impacting fintech on an annual basis. And we invite select students to the conference as well so they can attend and hear what's being talked about. And what's really cool is we've also invited some of the students to present on the main stage some of the things they're working on. So it's this fantastic, fantastic opportunity. Yeah. 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 And you've only been at it a year, but you've already got six graduates um, this past spring. Um, I assume that's kind of part of that. But, but and you mentioned this, but these, are, these, these students will – what kind of job opportunities will they end up in, do you think, in the fintech industry? Yeah, I mean, I couldn't be more proud of these uh, first graduates and the ones coming up behind them. We, we currently have 23 students pursuing the fintech minor for this uh, spring's right. enrollment, which is fantastic one year in. And a good number that are also pursuing a fintech emphasis in finance. Um, it's an incredible tra- trajectory we're seeing. So in terms of job opportunities – well, let me share with you what the Governor's Office of Economic Opportunity has to say about it. There's over 170,000 jobs in finance and technology in just Utah. Uh, annual wages between 78000 and 98000 And that's from a 2021 report. And within the state of Utah, we have some of the leading fintech companies in the country. That includes MasterCard, LoanPro, SoFi, Pay.com, MX, Atomic, Snap Finance, Lendio, and, and a lot of others. So I'd, I can pretty confidently say there's abundant job opportunities. Not, not, not a bad industry. Yeah. That's the great thing about the University of Utah. You know, we, we train students, and I think we give them the skill set to really adapt to industry changes. What is it about Utah that makes it such a, a good place for, for fintech? Well, if you, if you look at the state of Utah, uh, we really truly believe that Utah is becoming an epicenter of, fin- of this global phenomenon of, of fintech. And, and when I say global, I, I say it intentionally. You know, if you look at some of the fastest growing populations and economies of the world that include Africa and India, it's where you're seeing some of the most incredible innovations in fintech. And we absolutely believe that Utah will be the forefront of that. Uh, so what makes Utah special? You know, if you, if you go back and look at the history of Utah, we have a really a pretty incredible story when it comes to finance and technology. First uh, Fed chairman from the state of Utah, yeah. Mariner Eccles. Mariner Eccles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you've had the industrial banks that have, were really developed in the state of Utah through the actions of the governor and the legislature. And these uh, industrial banks, you know, it's really funny. They started out with this restriction against having a branch network because they didn't uh, the regulators didn't want the industrial banks to compete with regular banks. 
ended up turning out to, to be quite an, an advantage for these industrial banks. So, you know, within within the state of Utah, you've got the majority of the industrial banks in the United States located here in Utah. And for those, maybe just quick definition of an industrial bank versus what they might see at Yeah, maybe it, it might be easiest just to provide an example. So BMW is, a, is an industrial bank in the state of Utah. And uh, their specialty is providing financing for BMW purchases. So it's usually a a company that has a specific banking need and they want to kind of control that banking side of it. So with BMW, they can do that financing. They have fairly specialized lending programs that don't have this broad consumer banking build out. So that's, that's the industrial banks. And it is an important component because with fintechs, what you'll see is all the technologies being built up to what we call the banking core, which is the guts, the backbone of the bank. And then you have all this stuff being built on top of it. So I gave an example earlier of a company called Chime, which is one of the fastest growing neobanks, but they're not a bank. Uh, They are really a, a company that's providing banking services. They sit on top of a bank. They lease a bank to do all that accounting and regulation and such. Uh, for them. And that's that's driving a lot of this uh, technological innovation. And all the industrial banks are lo- located in the state of Utah. So that that combined with our long history of technological innovation, I mean, you, you look at the novels, the word perfect, the megahertz going back a long ways, um, even now to Adobe's and, and um, Domo and some of these technology companies and the talent that that's created as well as the talent that's coming out of the universities. I think that's why we're so well set up. Interesting. That makes sense. Let's talk about the Stena Fintech X Studio Incubator. Did I get that right? The Stena yeah. Fintech X Studio Incubator. Now, this is not a University of Utah, but it's in partnership with us. And so, kind of give us an overview. Yeah, that, it's kind of a mouthful. We, we've started referring to that as uh, Studio X. Okay, Studio uh, X. I like that. I can say that. <laughs> so, um, you know, we're, we're really excited about what's going on with the studio. It's like I mentioned, it's it's an incubator that supports fintech founders across the state of Utah. So if you're a, a student, a recent alum, or faculty of any Utah higher ed uh, uh, institution, you can apply to come into this this program. And so what that consists of is is we're giving direct funding to startups to help accelerate their business. We just completed our first pitch day where we had nine companies pitch for funding. We'll be announcing the first round of five funded companies shortly. As we get rolling along here, we'll generally be funding 10 to 15 companies a year. But since this is our first year, we want to make sure we're working out the kinks. So we'll have five companies in this first round. The studio provides, like I said, a a direct investment of between $100,000 and $200,000 into these companies to help them accelerate. And um, in addition to that, they get a few other things. One is access to an advisor. And these advisors are are seasoned uh, company executives. Oftentimes, they've been a founder or a senior executive at a technology or a finance company. So they've got very deep understanding of how to run and build a company. And they're pretty distinguished individuals with an incredible track record that these... And these are all Utah, these are all Utah startups. Prim, primar- the part. startups are all out of Utah. The advisors are mostly out of wow. Utah, but we've got a few from outside of Utah that, that want to be a part of the, the um, incubator. So... In addition to the the advisor and the funds that they receive for the company, they've got access to some other services 
access to AWS credits for cloud computing, uh, legal services that are uh, donated by Cooley, uh, which is a very large legal firm. They get access to marketing and branding services, uh, IT services, and a one-year development program that the center has put together to help them develop their develop and grow their company. And then um, lastly, they, they get access to incubator space. So this is a place where they can house their company. Uh, they get several hundred square feet within the incubator space. And they're co-located with other these other founders. So they get a chance to have those creative collisions, as well as create, like I say, this, this center of excellence in, in fintech. A really interesting aspect of this, this fund that you don't really see in other venture funds is the majority of the returns that um, are generated by the fund are contributed back to the Stena Center to create a perpetual funding source for the center, which is really exciting. We'll eventually move this incubator space that I talked about into our new downtown location when that gets up and going, and we'll have another podcast about that, I guess. Um, But that new downtown development, it'll, it'll house the center, the incubator, as well as other companies that are in, in fintech, large to small, and, and be this hub that we've talked about a little bit. Yeah, so right now it's kind of a virtual center. Let's just talk about the, what's the vision. I know we're probably not ready to announce location or anything, but yeah, maybe just share that vision for, and why, why do we want to be downtown and not on the university campus in this, in this particular case? Yeah, well, one, I, I think that you know, downtown provides a lot of opportunities for a, a fintech company that, that you don't necessarily found, find on a campus. A campus is built to be a campus. And so we want to create this public-private partnership where you have these incubated companies that are part of a university-developed program. But also, if you have a Google fintech skunk works project they they would want to come into that space as well lease space to be around these student founders around a student population but have kind of a commercial presence uh in in salt lake and you know salt lake has really kind of helped um develop uh itself as a a real hub for not just fintech but other you know uh, finance and, and technology aspects of the economy so that's 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 why we look at that Salt Lake as an important piece. Well, of this. But but what a great experience for our students, and also what a great economic driver for for downtown Salt Lake. Yeah. Let me use that as the segue into your role as the co-chair of the Governor's FinTech Council, because as as you've said a couple of times in this <clears throat> conversation, I mean Utah really. I don't even know if we're poised. It sounds like we are becoming, you know, at least the leader. Uh, one of the leaders in this in this country, but but talk about what the the Governor's FinTech Council is all about and what's your role. Yeah, you know, first of all, Governor Cox has just been a tremendous supporter of fintech here in the state, and and I'm really honored to be a co-chair of the the fintech council. He's really put together a group of fintech leaders to help advise and accelerate what's what's going on here in the state of Utah. And you know, it's it's interesting. We talk about. Utah being a hub, you know, I was just interviewed by a publication American Banker for an upcoming article about fintech hubs in the U.S. And this is in addition to um, the Stena Center and the state of Utah being featured in a Wall Street Journal article recently. So based on all that, I would say that the state of Utah ranks pretty high in terms of fintech. And there is some research out there that lists Utah as one of the rising stars of fintech as they look at various different aspects of what makes a hub. And, and this research has de- defined 
Utah is one of the select few that are the rising stars. You know, there's obviously the established locations such as the Bay Area, New York, and D.C., but what we're seeing according to the research is that the rising star locations are experiencing significant growth over the more established locations. And, you know, here at the U, I know that we continue to see out-of-state enrollment rise, and um, that's in some part due to what the state of Utah has to offer. And as we continue to grow fintech, there's going to be abundant opportunities for students to for students as they complete their education. Let me ask you this as we kind of as we wrap up a little bit. You know, the University of Utah. You know, people either a student here, you might receive care here, maybe you're doing research here. But it feels like the in the fintech space with the Stena Center. It is just that perfect uh, marriage of, you know, training students, but also driving the economy. And so, you know, as, as we, as we, you know, as President Randall talks about the value of the University of Utah, I, I look at somebody like you who spent most of their career in the private sector and is actually coming into academia. Yeah. What, what's your message to other business leaders or lawmakers about, you know, the, the value that the University of Utah is, is bringing to the state? Yeah, it, it's funny when you you mentioned that I spent all my time in industry. Even saying the word "spending time in industry" feels funny because I never thought of industry as this segment, this separate segment. You know, I just knew that I worked at a company and uh, didn't think about all these segments such as education and nonprofit and industry. But I think President Randall has it right in that education has done a tremendous job of educating. A really talented workforce, very insightful uh, founders of companies. But there's there's a piece there, that practical application, that's pretty critically important. And what's happened is industry's kind of filled that, but it's relatively expensive. It's a little bit chaotic. And uh, being able to move some of that work into an academic setting, you know, that practical application, I think it sets our students up to be more successful more early in their career, which which is super exciting. And I, I think what, what I'm seeing here at the University of Utah with the with the centers and being able to facilitate this educational and industry partnership, you know, we're serving as a bit of a proof of concept around the, this whole idea because fintech moves pretty quick. So you can kind of see how it works. You can refine pretty quickly and see how that works and then refine again and see how that works. And, you know, within, you know, let's say the, the School of Medicine, there's been a lot of incredible innovations that have come out of that, that area. They take a long time, <laughs> you know. And so how do, we, how do we make sure that we can continue to move quick? And, and I think the fintech center has been one way that we can prove that out. Nice. Good, good answer. All right. My last question, Stena. Yes. Is it a name? What, give, give us a breakdown you know, of that. The, the, uh, the background there is the really generous donation by the Stena Group, uh, which is led by Steve and Janice Smith. So it's uh, consequently you well, combining get, names there. Yes, the Stena Center. Yes. Very nice. Well, Ryan, thank you for being my guest on Rising. Listeners, that's it for today's episode of Rising. Our executive producer is Brooke Adams, and our technical producer is Robert Nelson. I hope you'll tune in next time. I'm Chris Nelson. Thanks for listening. 